You're listening to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show for budding entrepreneurs who want to understand the how and the why of social media marketing. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 72 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Social Report. Social Report is the world's most complete social media management tool, and it's my tool of choice when it comes to all things scheduling, reporting. I mean, their reporting is super beefy, you guys. So check them out by going to socialreport.com. Now today on the show, I have the lovely Amber Hurdle. Amber is a branding professional. So she helps other professionals through the combined value of personal brands, employer brands, and business brands to achieve their bottom line results. She personally understands what it takes to accelerate success as a former team mom who has evolved into a powerhouse businesswoman, having worked with international celebrities and Fortune 100 companies alike. She was named Top 40 Under 40 by Nashville Business Journal, and she is, but she has been consulting with brands like FedEx Ground and Marriott Hotels and Stella and Dot, as well as small businesses who want to play it big. So she's a professional speaker. She's got her own podcast. She is a community leader and just all around great person. So today we talk about her velvet machete strategy, and we really relate it to how she wants to be known. So how you want to be known as a person, as a business. And really, we talk about where social media and branding collide to make the magic happen. So we talk about how to have a clear brand, the importance of uh, making yourself different. We dive into Amber's recent book launch and how she did that on social media. We talk about people data. Yes, people data and how that drives her business and so much more. And the really cool thing is Amber and I are also partnering on a really fun Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deal that's going to be epic. I don't want to give it away yet, but you can sign up for it through the waitlist. So there's going to be a link in the description. And if you're listening to this after December 2nd, 2019, it's going to be gone. So if you're listening to this before, then check the links in the description so that you know what's what and you can sign up for the waitlist. All I can say is it's going to be a really big deal and it's going to be like a buy one, get one bundle of amazingness. So stay tuned for that. And for now, let's dive into this interview with Amber Hurdle. Hey, Amber, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to pick your brain all about branding because it's so important when it comes to, well, everything we do on social media. Uh, But I'd like to start kind of at the beginning of your journey. What attracted you to branding? How did you get started in that world? (laughs) Well, if we want to get in the Wayback Machine, um, I... I say that I started finding out about branding um, when I became a teen mom. So I had my first child when I was 16 years old. um, And I was in a season of life where I was like working four jobs and, um, and really trying to get ahead. And I learned then 
that if I was able to differentiate myself and show my unique value that I got another shift at the Applebee's or I might get a promotion or a raise that, um, you know, on paper I shouldn't have gotten, or I might have an opportunity, um, like I was a banquet server as my fourth job and um, my boss allowed me to, um, like wash his camper for $200. Like, why did he pick me to give me that opportunity? And so I started noticing that people treated me different and that even though I was the one behind the eight ball, I was the one who was still getting all the opportunities or not all of them, but I was feeling very grateful for them at the time. Um, so at the time I didn't have any clue that that was personal branding. That wasn't a word that was in vogue then. Um, but I knew that your professional reputation was very important. So because I started identifying with um, what made something or someone valuable, I started getting into marketing. And eventually I realized, oh, there's a degree I can go back to college because I had to drop out um, to take care of my daughter. But there's a degree called public relations. Who knew? <laughs> and so once I went to college to finish my degree, I graduated with a PR degree, a marketing minor in an organizational communication, which is essentially like internal communications and engagement. Um, so kind of the trifecta. And I have spent the rest of my career helping individuals, uh, employers, and businesses learn how to communicate what makes them unique so that they can communicate to very specific audiences what that is. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of started with your own personal experience and developed into this kind of like corporate yeah. role, right? Yep. But yeah. you started your own business, what was it, like seven years ago now? Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. what was the transition like from working in corporate to doing your own thing? Well, <laughs> so I worked for Gaylord Hotels at the time. And, um, and what I was doing while I was ramping up to go out on my own was leading the internal experience for the Marriott buyout. So Marriott Hotels bought Gaylord Hotels. So you can imagine the rebrand there or the co-branding that was happening at the time. Um, so that was good times, <laughs> challenge, um, and fun. And I learned a lot, but at the same time, um, when I knew that that just really wasn't the direction that I wanted to go and I had some personal things going on as well, um, that were changing the dynamics of my personal life, I thought, well, what is it that I want to do? And so, um, my favorite thing at least at the time, was working with senior leaders, whether that's, you know, the senior vice president or the CEO or the dean or the, the president of the college. I've worked with all those types in my, in my employed career. I liked helping them connect and influence. I liked helping build their executive presence. So again, it came back to that whole personal branding thing. Um, and so I started doing hardcore executive coaching. And I, and I say that because that's very different than like consulting. Um, and I got ICF certified and then, um, several friends kept asking me like, Amber, you're so good at marketing. Can you help me? And, and I've had other businesses. I've had a celebrity event planning business, um, many moons ago and was very successful with that. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll just do a one day boot camp and help you all out. And then it's one day of my, instead of constantly helping people, like I'll give you like a super cheap opportunity. And then like it went gangbusters. <laughs> so I was like, uh oh. <laughs> and that turned into an in-person boot camp with, you know, five K 
counties represented over Middle Tennessee that were participating. I started really attracting a lot of um, beauty and fitness professionals, um, attorneys, lots of service professionals. And so I was still doing my corporate thing and doing leadership and personal branding and employer branding. And then on this other side, I was doing like small business branding and marketing. And so, you know, that turned into a podcast, which turned into the book, which turned into the app, which turned into a course. And, you know, and so, so now I just finally got happy with the fact that I am a branding person. I don't care if it's personal branding and leadership. I don't care if it's employer branding and recruiting and retaining the right talent and creating a nice culture for everybody to be happy in. Or if you're promoting your business to build revenue and gain market share, branding is branding is branding. We're just looking at it through a different lens in each of those areas. How would you describe branding to someone who maybe doesn't know what that word means or maybe they want just like a clearer definition of what it is? Branding is the hook that you can hang all of your marketing on. So, Ooh. yeah. Oh, I tweet love that, that people. Yeah, that's a tweetable. <laughs> that's the quote for this episode. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, it's what is the emotional experience when you hear a brand name or you see a brand um, logo or imagery and in examples I you know that go to examples are when you think about Apple there's usually a pretty bouty response to that like oh my gosh I couldn't live without Apple I'm gonna you know wait for 24 hours to get the next you know whatever they offer outside in the mall and then the other side is like Apple's controlling and we hate it and it's like that that polarizing branding is exactly what they want because they don't want to be messing around promoting to people who aren't going to buy from them anyway. Mm-hmm. And another example I like to give when I, when I speak on branding is um, Louis Vuitton. So what Louis Vuitton does famously with their brand, which exhibits luxury and success, and it's, it is a physical element that women carry around that say, I've done something to deserve to carry a bag. <laughs> you know, over a thousand, even $3,000, some of them. Um, and, and it's because it, it looks the part. So it looks that luxury brand. Um, they message visually and with their words around luxury. And it delivers on its promise, its brand promise of luxury. Like people recognize that as a status symbol. And if something was to ever break, um, which is highly unlikely to happen because it's such a solid brand, they're going to fix it and they're going to make it right. And, and so when you think Louis Vuitton, you think that is an aspirational item that is ridiculously expensive, but I still want it. Why is that? They created an emotional connection with you. So that's a really long <laughs> way to answer that question. But it's, it's just creating that, um, what feeling are you creating with your brand? Yeah. And I know a lot of our listeners are business owners. We've also got a lot of listeners who are marketing agency owners. So mm-hmm. that speaks to both sides of that coin for who you talk to. Totally. So when they are trying to create their brand promise, what are some of the things they should consider as they go into kind of laying that foundation for how they want people to feel and how they want people to think of their brands? First and foremost, you have to know who you're selling to and be equally as clear on who you are not selling to. So um, if you're just starting out and you don't have an audience or you don't have a client base yet, then my encouragement is to pick up the phone and call people who you would think would be an ideal customer or have coffee with somebody who is in the industry that you want to attract. Ask them 
you know, what, what are the problems that you have? Because if you ain't solving a problem, nobody's coming off their cash. That's just how it is. Okay. (laughs) So your brand has to solve a problem. The problem that a Louis Vuitton person has is I want to appear successful. We'll just pick one of them. Okay. And so they solve that problem. Here's a luxury item. Same with Rolex. Um, also, you want to ask them, and if you do have an existing audience, then maybe this is with um, a survey, or maybe you can do it via social media posts. We do that a lot. We'll ask a question, and we'll everybody will answer it, and then we'll just kind of gather that and be like, okay, cool. Our most active followers think this, so we're going to take that in consideration when we craft our messaging or we pick our imaging. Um, you want them to also share with you what other brands are attractive to them. So you know if somebody is attracted to Apple computers, they like things streamlined, they like things to be easy. If somebody's a big Trader Joe's or Whole Foods buff, then you know that they are concerned about holistic living or maybe they're concerned about um, nutrition. And so you could be an attorney, for example, but you can still include things that would attract those people in your social media. It could be something that maybe connects health and wellness with your professional life or whatever that looks like. And in the same, you can go to those brands and say, okay, what kind of messaging are they using? What kind of visuals are they using? If my ideal customer is attracted to that, then maybe I can emulate that, not steal, not rip off, but use it as inspiration to craft your own um, brand messaging and then visual branding as well. Oh my gosh. So many good nuggets in what you just said, like laying the foundation, (laughs) really understanding who you're talking to. Ask people. Don't be afraid to ask. I love that. Yeah. So So the form, I'm sorry, the formula, I didn't even get to that part is who are you marketing to? What problem are you solving? And then how do you solve that uniquely? That's the key too. It's it's all this uniqueness, right? Because you can go get a room at the Ritz-Carlton or you could go get a room at the La Quinta Inn. Both of them are solving the problem of, I don't have a place to sleep tonight. You're getting very different experiences. And so La Quinta Inn is not going to market and spend advertising dollars and try to attract the people who want to stay at a Ritz-Carlton. Those are completely different markets. They're completely different brand experiences. And so it's easy to look at big brands like that, but sometimes we get lost in our own, you know, forest for the trees kind of experience as small business owners or agency owners, and we don't get real clear on who we're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. How are you solving that problem uniquely? I like that. And I uh, internally use that uh, descriptor with my business. So I that like to think of myself on the level of like a Chipotle. I'm not like a steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. I'm not McDonald's. Okay? Yeah, I love it. We're, we're Chipotle trying to build that kind of, um, kind of like notoriety, but also affordable. <laughs> yeah, it's affordable, but it's also elevated. Yeah. And I like to call it, appro- well, for me, it's a little bit, one, a little level up, but I like approachable luxury. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to be st- stiff or stuffy, but most of the customers I work with have a higher end product or service that they offer. So that's where I have to position myself, but I'm still a little rebellious at heart and I'm not going to fit a mold. I'm always going to be outside the box. So when I created my logo, I said, I need this to like be like restoration hardware and Aerosmith had a baby. (laughs) That's, that's my brand. (laughs) 
<laughs> Perfect. I love it. And I know from um, watching your experience and seeing how you put yourself out there and your brand out there on social media, you had a particularly impressive campaign with your book launch. So I want to talk about how you took all of this information about making yourself unique and kind of having something different to offer and then using all of that data, using your branding to promote your book. So let's talk a little bit about what went into a campaign like that. Okay. Years, yeah. <laughs> first of all. <laughs> so like I said, I had that first that first live event and then I had the eight-week um, lunch experience um, where we did the Bombshell Business Bootcamp live. And so I had 20-something women week over week coming in, working on their homework and telling me what's working, what's not, what problems they're having, what frustrations they're having. And it, it was very common. What they were struggling with was very common. And so that's when I was like, I need to write a book. But then I still wasn't. I'm like, okay, so that's middle Tennessee. But are these the same problems that women are having in San Diego or Milwaukee? Um, and so I decided before I wrote the book, I would learn more about female entrepreneurs. And I knew that the major problem I was solving was giving really BA women the confidence they deserve to have. They were amazing women and they knew way more than they thought they did, but because they might've been a good like hairdresser and then they're like, oh, I'm going to start my own business. How hard can it be? And then they kind of flew by the seat of their pants. Year seven, you know, year five, year to year eight, they're like, I'm not really a businesswoman. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, you are. Your own, you run a business and they're involved in their communities. So I saw these really... Um, talented women not seeing themselves as a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident female entrepreneur. So I redefined the term bombshell to mean bold, brave, unwaveringly confident female entrepreneur. And now we say just women in business. So we had this kind of concept going. We created the podcast so that we can start delivering more information to the masses. The bombshell audience, I can't even, like I have cried so many times from my listeners sending me messages, like literally mailing me things, um, talking about like, this is exactly what you talked about. And this is exactly how I applied it to my business. And these are the exact results that I got. Like you don't get better data than that. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the time I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of her. But then I sit back and think like, these are the problems that I'm solving. So then I was able to write the book. And because I was so intimately aware of this particular sub audience, the social media part came easy because we knew who we were talking to. We knew who we were selling to. We knew exactly what they want, we wanted them to do. We knew um, what motivated them. We knew, like we created um, a bombshell signature cocktail, which we served at my book lunch, by the way. I created it in my kitchen. I did behind the scenes like, oh, I'm trying this now. That didn't quite work out. I don't think that's pink enough, you know, like too much vodka. Oopsie, you know, we were able to have like, the behind the scenes stuff. So we want you to have a book club because we knew that you want a camaraderie. So we created um, a, a book club facilitator's guide. Um, we created a menu. So like, hey, we know you're getting home from a long day um, at your business. Here are quick things you can throw together at the last minute to host your book study. So it was so far beyond like, buy my book. We spoke to the meat of the dog. <laughs> like we hit them in their guts. We solved every problem we could possibly think that they might have to be successful to get through this book and make it impactful on their business and their life. Um, 
and we planned it way in advance. And if uh, Abby was not on my team, none of that would have happened. (laughs) Go Abby. I love it. So it sounds like instead of just giving them the end product, which is a book, you gave them so much more beyond that so that Mm -hmm. it became almost part of their day-to-day life Mm -hmm. where you've got the cocktail, you've got, you know, here's what you could do after you get home from work. That's Mm -hmm. epic. And I think that sometimes as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as creative people, we get so caught up in like the thing that's it, the end, the book, that we forget about the whole experience behind it. It sounds like you're kind of saying that brand is the whole experience. That's it. That's what branding is. And that's why it's, it's just critical that you understand the emotional driver. You'll hear a lot of people say like, what's keeping your client up? overnight like why aren't they sleeping you know i'm not losing sleep over you know the lipstick color i'm going to buy so i don't necessarily <laughs> believe that that is the end all be all for like how you're going to market and brand but i do have an emotional connection to my physical appearance when i'm on stage or being photographed like right now i'm not going to have my perfect you know color on because who cares but if i'm being photographed and that's out there for forever i'm emotionally connected to how that lipstick is going to wear on me. I have, you know, and I'm sorry guys, I, I keep using like girly uh, examples here, but I'm, there is a driver that is deeper than I want to buy lipstick. Mm-hmm. There is a driver that this is part of my personal image and my personal image is important to me because that is part of my profession and part of me earning a living. So then we could really drive it down to your lipstick is going to make me feel confident about earning my money. That's way deep. Yeah. So then if you're going to market to me, would you show like, it's not going to come off kissing somebody? I don't care about that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. But if you show imagery of a professional woman at the end of the day, then going to, you know, happy hour with her friends and her lipsticks lasted and she looks amazing. Then I'm like, Ooh, what's that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so good. Like you're getting so much into the details of um, why people give their money for things. And it's not necessarily always what's on the surface, that first idea that comes up. Um, And I know that you use quizzes as a part of this discovery uh, process. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? Yes. So I'm a people data nerd. Um, I use tools for my coaching, like fascination advantage assessment, um, which I can share you know, that with you. And then I'm predictive index certified. So if we need to get into, you know, what are our employees doing? What are their motivating drives and behaviors so we can attract and retain people and develop them and make sure they're staying with us, then that's another thing. But for small businesses, um, we like to do quizzes. And so there's lots of different versions. I know you and I use the same one. Um, but we did, what kind of bombshell are you around the book launch? And, um, and so we basically took the disc profile and we were like, okay, so what would a D be? What would an I be? What would an S be? What would a C be? And then we developed questions that would help us identify if they fit into, you know, certain, so we would weight the questions in order to get them to fit into a category. So, um, we had, um, an enormous response to that. I mean, just think about how many Facebook quizzes you've, I'm, you know, I'm personally addicted to, I'm like, what Disney princess am I? Like, let's find out, you know? 
Like, who is your evil twin? I don't know. Let's find out. Like, I don't care if you capture all my information. I need to know these things because people are naturally curious about themselves. They want to learn about themselves. Um, And so if you deliver that to them, not only are you then further building a relationship with them because you've delivered value, you can put each of those into a unique um, email funnel. So the one, you know, one group might get a completely different um, trickle campaign than the other group that's going to be customized and speak to who they are. So now you're connecting at an even deeper level. But importantly, you've got data on who's being responsive and who's on your email list. Like you know their personality type. You know what matters to them. And some of your questions could even include like, which of these brands most excite you? And that we can, you can weight that. But then you're also getting what brands they like. And so you can use tools very strategically, even if you're a solopreneur, in order to have that data like, like the big dogs have with all of their market research. Not quite like what they have, but at least in your own little world, your version of it. Yeah, you can get closer to figuring out what they like, what they don't like, and then you can be that perfect solution at the end. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to sell to somebody who is more emotionally driven and who might um, need more attention and need to be encouraged and fluffed, whereas somebody else might be like, oh, she's hard selling me, you know? And so I might give them more data and more facts and more like statistically, did you know that people who do this, this, and this? Whereas this other person who's more rah-rah would like their eyes would glaze over if I use that kind of language. So you have your brand, you have your ideal audience, and then you have your sub audiences within that one. If you want to get that fancy. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so, so good. And I think, you know, these quizzes are really easy to share out on social media too. And I'm with you. I love a good quiz. Um, (laughs) Gotta figure out who I am from, you know, Gilmore Girls or whatever. That's right. And I absolutely need to know what I'm going to look like when I'm 69. So that's, you know, obviously an important part of my everyday. Yeah. Yeah. We love these kinds of things. So I think it's just a really great way to engage your audience and then also collect data and be able to market to them using the self-identifying factors that they've kind of given to you, which is epic. And if Um, you know the majority of your audience base that came from that particular campaign is one particular personality type or, you know, however you shape that for them for the quiz, then you can expect that your general marketing and your general messaging like newsletters, social media, things like that, those can appeal to that type of person. And I was, I was totally wrong about who I thought my people were. I thought my people were basically, if you're familiar with the disc profile, I thought that they were high eyes because bombshell and glamorous and, you know, that sort of thing. But it turned out that the majority of the people who took that were actually an S on the profile, which is more of a helper, more of like, I called it BFF bombshell instead of diva bombshell. Mm-hmm. So I thought I had a bunch of divas. No, what I had was women who are, who are really good, but they didn't see themselves as a diva. And so the bombshell brand convinced them and gave them permission to see themselves that way. And so that shifted completely how I talked. I didn't make, I didn't assume things about people anymore. I crafted things to appeal to that emotional trigger. Yeah. And this sounds like, it sounds manipulating. (laughs) It's not, you were, you are doing people a disservice. If you have something that can help them and you are not doing all that you can to convince them that you're the solution, because if they don't go to you 
and they have this problem, they're going to find a solution and they might end up with a tool. So, you know, like, and I don't mean tool, like, I mean, like a jerk, like somebody's going to take advantage of them. Right. So do everybody a favor if you're a good ethical business person and make sure that you're marketing and branding in a way that allows people to know what you have to offer and that you genuinely want to take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I like looking at it as just learning another language. So, you know, if I were to learn French, because I live in Canada now, it's not because I want to manipulate anyone. It's just because I want to learn how to communicate with the people around me. And so I think that that's a really good good. way to look at it. Yeah. I'm stealing that. (laughs) Yeah. It's learning their language, learning how to communicate with them so they can see the value in what you have to offer. That's so powerful. And even um, in your family, you're you're going to try to sell your husband on something different than you're going to sell, or, or your wife or your partner, um, differently than you might your parents or your kids. I mean, because people are different, and so you need to be able to understand their motivating drives and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is so good, you guys. So I want to take a minute to talk about our collaboration offer. You guys already know about the awesomeness that's in the Savvy Social School. So go check that out. But also for Black Friday, we're doing an amazing special, as I've already talked about in the intro to this episode. I just want to take a minute for Amber to tell us about her side of this collaboration because it's epic. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think your side is epic. I'm I'm just like, ah, oh, she's so good. Um, and anybody who's already subscribed to that, you're you're very, very smart. And for those of you who don't, you need to like make it happen because she will make your life so much easier. Um, but so my end of things, I have the Velvet Machete business branding course. And and the reason why we call it Velvet Machete is because I believe that the machete cuts to the chase, uh, the average attention span right now is eight seconds, which is the, uh, I'm sorry. Yes. That's the same as a, as a fish. (laughs) So a goldfish. So you have to really be able to grasp somebody's attention, but if the machete is cutting to the chase and, and, and getting to the meat of the message, the velvet is what wraps the message in a way that is appealing to the audience. So we've talked a lot about that, um, during this episode, the thing that we, teach you is basically everything that we've talked about in this uh, particular episode. We're talking about clarifying your brand message, identifying who are your ideal customers, crafting your brand standards. So you know exactly not only um, what things are supposed to look like, but how they're supposed to look uh, with sub brands and across all media channels, including social media, developing that brand voice. So whether you're doing your social media or you're outsourcing it, it sounds the same. Um, ensuring that your features and benefits are one of a kind that you are able to clearly articulate what, um, what it's like to do business with you different from anyone else, um, creating service standards. So you know that that internal experience when somebody becomes a customer, that they're going out there saying it rocks to do business with this person because it's consistent every time. Um, and that's part of branding too, is how are you showing up once you have a customer and really just eliminating competition. Um, (laughs) by discovering your niche markets. So what I have experienced over the years with, you know, companies that have been paid $30,000 to rebrand or brand is that they, they end up with this like gorgeous brand guide and it's your Bible. It's your Bible for selling and marketing. It's which those are two different activities, by the way. It's your Bible for onboarding new employees or team members or vendors. It's your customer service manual. 
if you outsource um, Facebook marketing or if you're you know doing a billboard or even a local ad in your newspaper or magazine, this is the Bible for everyone so that you're not recreating things every single time you work with a new creative vendor. So by the time you get through this course, which is not hard. It is not going to take you 10 years. This is not a huge emotional investment. Um, I try to keep it very direct because you know we're the Velvet Machete. When you get done with this, you will have a visual brand guide that I would put up against any of the big dogs in, um, in the branding world. So we're very excited about it. We've done this um, Mars Chocolate um, one of their divisions, we did this with them. Um, we've done it with all kinds of small business owners. We've done it live. And then the online course has been a bonus for them so that they can continue that out um, and, and continue to just have the support and to be able to reference it and perfect what we did live. And so far, everybody loves it. I have lots of Stella and Dot stylists who use it to not only... Um, sell their jewelry, but to recruit people to the opportunity. So this is good for direct sales. It's good for internal um, uh, communication, even if you're in corporate or any of your, uh, you know, agencies, this is not only great for them, but they can model it for their clients. So I think it's a bargain personally, but um, I wanted to make it accessible. So, um, but, but of course with us partnering together, is going to be even more epic. So I'm going to kick it back to you. <laughs> yes. Double trouble. I love it. So guys, check out the link to this amazing opportunity. I'm going to put a link in the description of this uh, podcast in the show notes. So you guys can sign up for the wait list because it's a very limited time offer. So you got to hop on it once it's ready. Um, so I'll put a link to that. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining me Thank today. you. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and everything we talked about, please check out the show notes by visiting SavvySocialPodcast.com. And don't be afraid to continue the conversation. I'd love to have you inside of the Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook or simply go to SavvySocialCrew.com. See you there. Bye for now.